We're back into um, the, the book of Ruth, and we're in Ruth chapter 3. And it's entitled today, Ruth and Boaz at the Threshing Floor. Can you all hear me okay? One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you, where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning." So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised, and he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing, and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. pray for you. Lord, we pray for Peter, we pray for your anointing on his words. We pray for deeper understanding into into the mysteries of your word, Lord, and that he might lead us more into your presence and open our eyes to see wonderful things about you. So please bless him now, Lord, as he opens your word to us. Amen. Amen. 
and uh, I hope you're enjoying it and uh, gaining much from it in home groups and uh, in other ways. Uh, if you remember my sermon on, on uh, chapter 2 last week, if you remember the gist of the story so far, uh, we've reached the point where um, uh, Naomi advises Ruth on the next step to take. And in fact, the very last verse of chapter 2 uh, is that she, in fact, not the very last verse, so the verse 22, just before, it says, um, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. And so uh, Naomi is advising Ruth to go and work for Boaz. To, uh, sh- uh, of course, Ruth has already encountered Boaz. She, she knows a little bit about him. And uh, there's been this uh, lovely conversation that's already happened between the two, uh, between Ruth and Boaz in his fields. Um, and um, just a little aside, but basically, you might be thinking, well, it's a bit, sort of a bit sexist almost, that this kind of the, the women are working in one place and the men are kind of over there. But it, it's the way it, the way it was, really. Um, it wasn't sexist. It was to do with the protection of the women, so that they were, you know, in one part of the field. And Boaz says, you know, you've got my protection uh, you, won't, you will not be harmed. Uh, and that, that theme of kindness that I talked about last week, it goes right through, the, through this, this, this book, through the story, uh, the kindness of the different characters showing kindness to each other, and of course that mirroring uh, the kindness of God, that, that God's kindness to us. Um, do you remember the word that I asked you to try and remember, that, that chesed, uh, the loving kindness of God that that's, is, is, is coming through this story over and over again. And uh, so we've got this kindness thread going through it, uh, and, and also the, the salvation plan of God, um, which is the biggest story, really. And this, uh, the way that God brings about his, his, his plan of salvation is weaved through the different characters, and we'll see that coming out again in chapter 3. Now, we don't know how much time goes between the two, the two chapters. Uh, it could have been uh, weeks. It might have been months. Just say it's six months. Um, but the time has come uh, for Naomi now to advise Ruth on the next step. And, and she says to her daughter-in-law, go and find rest. Go and find rest uh, in uh, the place where Boaz is. Uh, and so we read in uh, verse 1, my daughter... I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, this, uh, this, there's a link here be- between uh, the beginning of chapter 3 and something that goes on in chapter 1, this idea of, of, of Ruth finding a home. Do you remember as, as Naomi travels back to her homeland, she is a, a, a Judean, she's a, a, of the tribe of, of Judah, and she's going back to her homeland. And you remember she takes her two daughters-in-law with her? one of whom, Orpah, says, I'm going to stay uh, in my homeland. Uh, uh, and, and Ruth says, no, I will go with you. I will stick with you. And uh, there's a lovely link here, because in, in verse 9, in chapter 1, uh, Naomi says, May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of, of another husband. And, and this, again, is this Naomi's really her chief concern, her prime concern is that, uh, that her daughter-in-law finds security because they've lost it, you see. They've lost their husbands, they've lost security. And so Naomi's very concerned that her daughter-in-law finds security wherever they are. And uh, this, is her, this is really, I'm wanting to put Ruth's 
interests at heart. And, and so she says, well, go find security with Boaz. Go to his threshing floor and you will find security there. You will find him sleeping there that night. And so she gives more instructions. She says, go and wash. Uh, go and perfume yourself. You might say anoint yourself. And, and go to the threshing floor uh, and wait until Boaz has laid down to sleep before uncovering his feet and laying there at his feet. Now, slightly odd thing to do, you might think. You know, this, this, is, this is Naomi, her mother-in-law, advising her daughter-in-law to go and rest, you know, sleep at the feet of a man who's been at a party and, and no doubt been drinking, partying. And it's a, it's a slightly odd thing, more than a slightly odd thing to suggest to her daughter-in-law because she's putting herself in a really rather, you know, delicate position, shall we say. Uh, you know, who knows what might happen? Um, and yet... As I, as I explained to the nine o'clock, there's two laws here that, that Naomi knows about that are leading her to suggest this. So let's do a little bit of Bible study. Um, if you'd like to turn to Leviticus 25, first of all. So if you've got a Bible, there are Bibles, uh, there are Bibles available. Do go, and, do go and grab. Don't worry about it. Just go and grab one. Um, Levit- Leviticus 25, verse 25. Uh, if you, honestly, please do, do go and grab one. It's absolutely fine. Um, if you could tell me the page number of the church Bibles, that would be great, because I've got my own Bible here. So page 129. So Leviticus chapter 25. And you'll be glad to know we're only looking at one verse, because um, it's a very long chapter. So Leviticus 25, verse 25, says this. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. So this is an inheritance law. This is a, this is a, a, a law where there is a, a way by which those who are poor can be saved, if you like. They can, uh, they can be bought out of poverty or brought out of poverty. And so, remember the story again, Elimelech is, is, is Naomi's husband, uh, and, and so, so Naomi's deceased husband, it can be bought back. Uh, but because of the poverty, it's been sold. Because, of, you know, they had to sell it because of their poverty. <clears throat> uh, remember the, the story in chapter one, that, you know, there's a famine in the land, and so they sell what they've got, and they move off uh, to another land. Now, if Naomi could buy it back, she would be able to buy it back. That is her rights. She could redeem it. She could buy it back. Or, the law says, another relative, a near relative, could redeem it, could buy it back for her. So that's one uh, law that she knows. Uh, Deuteronomy this time. Uh, So if you move on into Deuteronomy, uh, that's chapter 25 as well. Uh, again, a page number would be good if someone could. So page 202, thank you. So Deuteronomy 25, and I'm going to read verses 5 to 12, so slightly longer reading. So Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 to 12, and it says this. If brothers are living together, and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her, 
and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. However, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elders at the town gate and say, my husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of his town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of his sandals, spit in his face and say, this is what is done to the man who will not build up his brother's family line. That man's line, wait for it, that man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. If two men are fighting and the wife of one of them comes to rescue her, her husband from his assailant, and she reaches out and seizes him by his private parts, you shall cut off her hand. Show her no pity. Now, men, you should be wincing at this point. This is, this is, this is serious stuff, isn't it? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't make it up. But it's, it's, it is there in black and white in the laws of Israel, the law that God gave Moses. This is amazing stuff. This is the Jewish culture, society that, that Ruth and Naomi and Boaz are in. You know, the, the, that man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. But it's about keeping the family line going. That's the, the importance of uh, the family line going. Such to the extent that the brother's widow can go up to the, 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 the face of the brother-in-law and spit in his face. It's amazing. So what it's saying is if a man dies, so you've got two, two men, one dies, his wife uh, is, is to marry the, the other brother. And, and their children, their offspring, will carry on the family name. Now, the brother, the word brother, the, this Hebrew word brother, actually can mean another male relative. It doesn't necessarily mean the brother, but it's a near male relative, close male relative. Now, Ruth's husband has died. We know that in chapter 1. Uh, he was an Israelite. Ruth is not an Israelite. She's a Gentile. She's outside of the Israelites at that point. But she can come into the tribe of Israel through marriage, through a relative who has the right of redemption. So Naomi, you see, knows her laws well. And so that is why she says to Ruth, go into that place of Boaz. Go and, and find security, find rest there. What does she do? She does it. She does as she is told. She is a risk taker, remember? And so she prepares herself, she washes, uh, perfumes, uh, brushes her hair and so on, and gets ready for what is no doubt the most important encounter of her life. Goes to the threshing floor, and we're told in verses 6 and 7 that she goes and lays down at the feet of Boaz. Notice her attitude again she is she's humble she's submissive all of these amazing qualities are coming out her loyalty again comes through to her mother-in-law she's open-hearted she is willing to take this step because she trusts Naomi 
And again, it's, it's, it's speaking to us. Do we trust the Lord as he leads us on in his plan for our lives? There's, a, I think, a bigger lesson as well, <clears throat> and a few other things that are coming through this, this passage at this point. Uh, you may have, uh, as you've heard it read, or you've been maybe reading it yourself, uh, you may have noticed there's a kind of a, a way that it's, it talks about and pictures the bride of Christ, so that the Ruth is the bride of Christ, and uh, she is, if you like, an image or a symbol of the bride of Christ being the church. The, the spotless bride of Christ creeping up to the feet of Boaz in submission to him, claiming his protection. So it's a picture, if you like, of the bride of Christ as the church of Jesus uh, approaching him in humility to seek his protection. That's one way you can read it. And I think it's perfectly valid. Uh, another thing to notice is this um, request that Ruth makes of Boaz to spread the corner of your, of your garment over me, to, to, to bring her under his protection. And, and again, it's, it's a lovely resonance here. There's a lovely link between uh, the Ruth story and the Gospels. Uh, do you remember when Jesus is approaching Jerusalem? He knows he knows that, that, that he is going to be crucified. He, he knows that he's going to be um, uh, given over into the hands of the Romans. Uh, and, and he says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those I sent to you, how I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. See this lovely link that's going between the story of Ruth and, and Jesus's uh, sense of uh, identity and, and where, where God the Father is leading him at that point. Another way you can link this story or, or see what's going on is this threshing floor idea. Uh, that God is, is, is sorting out the wheat from the chaff uh, so that, that Ruth, the, the pure bride, is there worshipping her Lord Boaz. So you can take all those angles, and I think they're all valid angles to take on this, on this story as, as Ruth approaches Boaz, and they're wonderful picture of the lengths that she is willing to go to provide an inheritance for her family name and this is the harvest time remember remember back in uh, chapter one the very last verse that they come back back to bethlehem as the barley harvest is beginning so it's harvest time and in israel harvest time is a time of celebration it's a time of blessing and so this is a time of of celebration so that's why ruth um why boaz is celebrating it's harvest time and so Ruth is there, she's waiting to see what will, what will his reaction be. And so he's startled, he wakes up, and he finds a woman lying at his feet. What's going on? Like, you know, what is going on? Who are you, he says. I am your servant, Ruth, she says. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a family guardian, a family redeemer. Again, it's showing... Is trust, is humility going on in her as she says that. And again, this is this lovely uh, idea of the, of the garment being spread, this it's similar protection. Remember, this is the time when uh, the, the judges are ruling. It's a time when everybody's doing what they like. It's a every, everybody for themselves mentality and doing what you want sort of morality. And here's Ruth seeking the protection of a true protector. 
And again, it's a, it's a link between uh, uh, that age and this age, the, the old covenant and the new covenant, that we are living under, under the protection of Jesus, who've wept over Jerusalem. And so all that is, uh, all is ready for Ruth to be taken under the protection of Boaz and to be offered his protection. And I wonder, as, I, as I'm speaking, as I, and as, as, as we open up this, this portion of, of Ruth, I wonder if this is speaking to you where you are. And I wonder how you, you are you responding. Or, or maybe this is, is, is speaking into your life about whether you can respond to God's invitation to uh, receive his protection, to be under the wing of his protection. Uh, many people, are, you know, as, as you speak to people and I speak to people about God, you know, many people sort of say, well, I don't need God, actually. I'm, I'm quite okay as I am. You know, I don't need God in my life. You know, I can manage on my own. I can make my own decisions. I can do, you know, it's actually a question of pride in the end, I think. And it takes surrender. It takes surrender to, to, to sit under, to be under God's protection. We've got to come to that place of, of surrendering to him. And, and actually, it comes to the point when we need, when we say, I need you, Lord. You know, we can say, I can do without you, but it's actually coming to the point when, 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 you, when you say, actually, I need you, Lord, in my life. And so this is Ruth seeking uh, the protection of Boaz. Boaz, a picture of Christ. So what is the result of her advances at this point? Well, she must have been relieved as she hears this response from Boaz in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you have showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether they were rich or poor. Now, we know that Boaz is a wise man. Uh, we know that he's got a soft spot for, for Ruth because we've seen that in chapter 2. And, and notice here that he doesn't force her to love him back. He doesn't say, you've got to love me, you've got to, you know. He, he waits for her to love him. And again, there's a lovely link with, with our discipleship, with, with us as Christians, that, that God doesn't force us to love him. He waits for us to love him. It's a love story. This is a love story. Ruth is a love story. Uh, and God, is also with us, he, he is waiting for us to love him, to invite him in. And so the, the answer is there. Ruth has, has, has waited and, uh, and, and she's not pursued the young men, and, you know, whether the rich or the poor. No, she has, uh, she's approached Boaz. And Boaz will give her rest, the rest she is seeking. He tells her not to fear. He says that I will do as you have asked. Uh, and and he said, he's also very aware of her virtue. He says there's another man who's a closer male relative. Uh, there's a, a, another man closer than, than Boaz who might redeem you, who might bring that about in your life. And so she lays down until morning and rises before it is light. And Boaz says, it must not be known that there's been a woman in my barn. <laughs> must not be known, for obvious reasons. Obviously, because it's a, you know, what has transpired has been very, very personal between the two of them. Uh, you know, if, other, if other people had seen Ruth leaving, um, they would have been thinking, oh, mm, I wonder what's been going on there then. 
But he, he's very aware of her virtue, and he says, you must leave this before light. And the other reason for that is, is he wants this other male relative to have that opportunity of redeeming her if, he want, if that other relative wants to. And so she goes back to her mother-in-law. Towards the end of chapter 3, she uh, returns home, and Naomi asks her a question. How did it go, my daughter? How did it go, my daughter? Now, remember in chapter 2, she's come back from the fields, and she's been gleaning in the fields, and Naomi asks her this question in chapter 2. Where did you glean today? Where did you work? In chapter 3, the question is, how did it go? Now, you might think, well, that's, you know, that's right. But it's not that exciting. But it is, actually, because in the King James Version, the question is, who art thou, my daughter? Uh, you know, translators translate this, this question differently, but I think the King James actually brings out something really interesting. What Naomi is trying to do is, is work out who is Ruth now. Now that Ruth has returned from that barn, now that she's returned from the threshing floor, who are you, Ruth? Have you changed identity? Who do you belong to, in fact? is what she's trying to find out. And so the question is a really powerful one. Uh, and and it, as we draw to the end of chapter 3, there's uh, that lovely sense of, of hope building and trust building and, and, and a future awaiting, a brighter future awaiting uh, Naomi and Ruth. And this faith of Naomi in Boaz is evident because uh, she's saying that Boaz will not wait until this matter is settled. And so, in the very last verse of chapter 3, Naomi says, Wait, my daughter. Wait until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And I think again, as, as I come towards an end, I think this again is speaking to us as Christians and as believers in Jesus. That, you know, sometimes we can try to try and wrestle things out in our own strength and say, well, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to get it sorted. I'm going to iron out my problems in the way that I know is best. And, and the Bible has a different approach. There's a different point of view. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Those words, wait and be still, are very good words to keep in mind. And so, I wonder, are you in a place of waiting at the moment? Maybe as a church you're in a place of waiting. And I don't think it's a passive sort of waiting, it's an active waiting. It's not a sort of sit back and say, well, it's all going to happen around me. And, no, it's an active waiting. As we wait, as Ruth did, we prepare ourselves. We, as it were, we wash ourselves. As it were, we anoint ourselves. We are waiting. We are dwelling in God's presence. We are actively waiting for what God is going to do. So that we are ready. So that we are poised to join in with where God is at work. As he gathers in his harvest. And so Ruth... Uh, so this chapter closes. Uh, Boaz won't, wait, won't uh, rest until the matter is settled. And Naomi is sure of that. So 
maybe you and I are being asked to do the same with our Lord. What are you being asked to trust him as we worship him? My prayer is we will have our confidence, as much confidence in our Lord as Ruth has in Boaz. Amen.